Morning, church family. Beautiful day. The Lord has been giving us just beautiful days up here in our fall season. That's why it's one of our favorite fall seasons, is it not? Hey, if you're here for the very first time, we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just blessed that you're here. And for those here in person and those online, we just welcome all of you. Hey, we're just going to get right into the scripture. We're going to finish up chapter 5 today of Revelation. Of, but let's read a scripture together. Please stand and we'll read it together. The scripture we find here is out of a prophecy, out of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Let's read it together. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your prophecy of showing us what it's going to be. And as we live our lives today, Lord, and we open up your word, we see that fulfillment in the days of coming, Lord, that you will reign and we will be with you, not only in heaven, but also when we come back with you to dwell on this earth after the tribulation. We again, Lord, we thank you for your, your, your grace upon us and your mercies that are new every morning. May we steadfast in keeping our minds set upon you, our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now as we open up and settle in here in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, we will be taking the remaining of these verses, 8 through 14. This is a significant, as we close out this part of the scripture, we move on, Lord willing, next week into chapter 6. For many, everyone's looking for chapter 6 and all the way through the rest of the book. But I like right here. I mean, I could rest just right here because it's all about praising and worshiping our Lord. Yes, there's judgment coming upon this wicked world, but we're not the wicked world. As a saved, as a saved person, as a, as a believer, as a child of God, we will not face that judgment. And we'll get through those. We'll get through chapters uh, six and beyond, but Today, we want to focus right where our worthy, the worthy is to be, and that is the worthy of the Lamb of God. Amen? I'm going to read through these verses, and then we'll take them verse by verse, and, uh, and you can see what, see what, what the Spirit of God is going to teach, teach you this day. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll... That's Jesus who has taken the scroll now from the Father who sits on the throne that we've already studied. 
the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp. Oh, you didn't play a string instrument, soon you will. That's a funny. I probably should just keep reading, right? I always wanted to play guitar, you know, I'll take the harp. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Verse 11, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. So be it. Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Father, we again thank you as we read your word. Now as your spirit moves, teach us your word. Help us to not only understand it, but also to then apply it to our lives and these truths. And may we be your sons and daughters who worship you with all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue here in chapter 5, we first looked at verses 1 through 7, the scroll. Biblion, a Greek word for the scroll, the book, with seven seals being transferred from the hand of the Fa God the Father to the hand of God the Son. And at the opening of this scroll, we will see in chapter 6, chapter, verse 1 and beyond, that begins the end of days. The scroll speaks to the title deed of this world. Yes, Jesus receiving the will and testament, the ownership from his Father to rule and reign. The fact that God gave the Lamb the authority to open the seven seal scroll should not be minimized. Not looked as a no big deal. It's a big deal. The authority, all authority is given to him. Jesus has the authority to exercise justice, and we will see that starting in chapter 6. 
And without hesitation, when asked who can take the scroll from the Father's hand, the Lamb steps up. Jesus Christ himself steps up and towards, without any hesitation, without any limitations, but all authority and power, and takes the scroll from the right hand of, the, of God the Father. Now we see here in the remaining of chapter 5, it playing out now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. A form of worship. Humbling themselves, helping them, humbling themselves in front of the Savior, the Messiah. And we noticed here in the scripture that each one here, as when the Lamb took that scroll, the weeping of the Apostle John ended and the praising began. Remember, the Apostle John was weeping because who no one was at first claiming the ability, the authority to be able to take the scroll. And when Jesus stepped up, all weeping stops. And all the praising begins. See, when the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb as a response to this, when the Lamb took the scroll, and the response was immediate. These high-ranking angels, along with the, 20, the, the re redeemed man, joined to worship the Lamb. Understand this, my brothers and sisters. Understand we do not worship a babe in a manger. We do not worship a babe in a manger. And we do not worship a corpse on a cross. We worship the living God. For some, that might sink in for some. Because still, the religions today, their focus is the baby in Mary's arms. And that's who they worship. That's not who we worship. We worship, some religions worship the corpse on the cross. Jesus is no longer on the cross. Remember, Jesus was buried for three days and on the third day rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and we see him right now in the heavenlies with all authority to take the scroll, the title deed, the authority of this world. That is who we praise. That is who we honor and glorify. We worship the living and reigning Lamb of God who is in the midst of all in heaven. And these who were falling down in humbleness, recognizing their Savior, the Lamb, Jesus Christ himself. It's interesting that Paul's, God gives Paul, uh, Paul, John this information about the harp. The harp is properly given to each one. Why? Because each one is contributing and participating and part of the worship of the Savior. This harp, this zenithin, zenithin or lyra, whatever kind of a guitar, played with the hand, played, played with the pick, whatever it may be. But it's worship in heaven is accomplished by music. Yes, by voice, but also with instruments. As one might expect. This is the passage that started the idea that people in heaven will have harps. And not just angels having harps. You'll have your own harp. 
to worship God. We participate now in worshiping God. And when we get to heaven, we'll continue to participate. And no longer will you be sitting there. You'll be actually having a harp and participating and being just in oneness. It's going to be beautiful. But they also had these golden bowls full of incense. What do they represent? Not your Cheerios. Not your Lucky Charms. Not your little bowl of cereal that you love to covet in the morning. No, these golden bowls full of incense were prayers of the saints. Your prayers, my prayers. That God cherishes so much, he collects them in the bowls. And with their golden bowls full of incense, these elders symbolically presents the prayers of the saints. But keep in mind what the scripture does say and what it doesn't say in this regards. It doesn't say that they're interceding for the saints. Having the bulls does not mean they're interceding for the saints. Not functioning as mediators of God's people. That's not what it's saying. 1 Timothy 2.5 is very clear. We are reminded that there is only one God and one mediator between God and man. And that is the man Christ Jesus. And these elders do not pray for the saints. This is no way justifies where the Roman Catholic practice of praying to the saints and asking them to pray and intercede for us. That is not scriptural. We get to go directly to God. Jesus is our mediator. Jesus has made it a way for us to commune with God. To communicate nonstop at any time, 24-7, about everything. But these golden bowls full of incense, these we see as so precious that the prayers of the saints are to God. We regard them as a sweet-smelling incense. Where do we see in the scripture of the connection between prayer and incense? We see it in Psalm 141-2. This says, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Does that speak of you? Of lifting up of your hands? And praising? Communing with your God? See, incense has a, a pleasing aroma. And it ascends into heaven in his needs. And that incense only has fragrance if it's burning with fire. That's the Spirit of God. The representation the Spirit takes your prayers and literally lights them on fire. And allows that to ascend into a sweet smelling aroma and collect it in heaven. God hears all your prayers. But sometimes they're not... Not on fire, are they? They fall on deaf ear in many respects because you're, you, you do it with the wrong heart. Yes, things in, in the midst. And not genuine worship. And genuine surrender and humility. humility humbleness of in front of the Savior. 
how important it is for us to be humbled. Luke 1.10 even references the instance as a picture of prayer rising to the throne of God. We also see this same, this same picture in the Old Testament. This bowl-like dishes because of the tribute to God in the dedication of the tabernacle in, in number 7. And the harp indicates worship and is associated with joy and gladness in Psalm 71:22. We must come with gladness and with and, and joy. Yes, all the challenges of them life. But when we come to him, may we come to him and just lay everything at his feet and let that turn into joy and gladness because of the dedication of your life to him and because of his grace and mercies. Question for you and I. How full are your bowls? How full is your bowl? With much prayer and praise and honoring of your Lord? You do take everything to him? How full are your bowl or bowls? If you notice, each had a, a harp and bowls, plural. Collection of many, I hope. And they sang a new song. What's that song that they sing? That you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations. And have made us kings and priests to, your, to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth with our Savior. Notice here a new song. The others sing a new song. What's that song made up of? Mercies that are forever new. This new song sung in the heavenly chorus. It's the song of redemption. The fact that God has redeemed us. We can sing that song. They are the church saints who have been resurrected, resurrected and raptured, and who would then from that moment forward, we see in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, always be with the Lord. That's you and I. But what kind of song do they sing? Is it a, a country song? No. Is it a rap song? No. It is the song, a worship song, a, even a gospel song that we see here. How do we know? By the words. The worship, song, the worship song means to ascribe worthy, and Jesus alone is worthy. When the song depicts of Jesus being worthy, it's a worship song. How important our song is not about I-centered, that the song must be Christ-centered. Nothing can compare with adorning Christ in spiritual worship, praising the worthy one. There is no other comparison of any song, how creative and musical it may be. If it's absent of Christ, it is worth nothing. It's not the value. We see in the heavenly song, the new song we want to sing, is one that brings worthy and praise to the, 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 the Savior. That's what that song should be about. Heavenly sings 
about the cross and the blood we see in this song here. You remove the blood of Christ from the songs, they certainly can't be used in heaven. Because there they glorify the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. You are worthy. See, Apostle John understood Roman emperors, when they were celebrated at their arrival, every time they would arrive, they would yell, you are worthy, you are worthy. No, they weren't. Only the true ruler of the world is honored and worthy, and that is Jesus Christ. Why? Because it says, for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Think about those words. Think of them, just take it in chunks here, because if in the praising song that we saw before, the saying in uh, chapter 4, verse 11, the emphasis was on God's work of creation, it was all about God's creation. But here, the emphasis is on the work of redemption of what he has done, the finished work on the cross, and in redeeming the world. So look at the price. The, the, for you were slain. The price of redemption was his, his beating, his death. It was a tremendous price was paid for your life and for my life. Do you understand how, how precious you are in the eyes of God that he was willing to be slain for you because he loves you? you praise him for that why because it says I have redeemed have redeemed us the worker of redemption he was the worker he did it you didn't have to go through that death you didn't go have to go and be beaten beyond recognition it wasn't you that had the crown of thorns or the spear in the side or the nails in the hands and the feet He was the worker of redemption. He did it. Why? Because I have redeemed us to God. He redeemed you and I for God. The destination of redemption is to be with God forever and ever. How did he do that? By his blood. By your blood. The payment of redemption was your blood. Jesus' blood is what redeemed you and I. To wash away the sins of the world. To wash away your sins for your past, present, and future sins. He washed those away for those who trust in him. Totally forgiven. As you sit here today, do you know for a fact, without a question in your mind, God has shown you that you have been completely forgiven because you've surrendered your life to him? Do you believe that? Some people question, I don't know. Every, all these false teachings out there, not everyone is, God, Jesus didn't die for everyone. No, no, no. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, the scope of redemption, he came and died for the sin of the world. And it's not just forgiving your sins. He's also showed you grace that you and I don't deserve. He is going to create this kingdom that we're part of, and we're going to be priests to our God. The length of redemption is forever and ever, it says, and we will come back with him to rule and reign. 
This is our future for those who believe. Because of what our Savior has done for us. The question is, are you willing to live for him? Are you willing to humble yourself and to worship him daily? Pursuing and being obedient to what he's called us to do according to his word? Verse 11, then we see, then I looked, John says, I, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. Around those living, those living creatures, around the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. What does that mean? Innumerable. Innumerable company of angels are surrounding and watching and seeing and observing what the Father and the Son has done. What did they say? Saying with a loud voice, worthy is a lamb who was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. This is what they're doing. What a, imagine the burst of praise that is happening in heaven and the harmonies that are happening up there. The cascade of harmonies worshiping the Redeemer. Worshiping Jesus. They're not looking at each other going, Whew, I made it. <laughs> Whoa, I can't believe you made it. Now, none of that's happening up there. Everyone is going to be worshiping the Redeemer. What are you going to be saying? Just like the angels. They're just amazed what God the Father and the Son has done for man. They recognize the worthy of the Lamb who was slain. They can see it. They receive to receive that would receive power, riches and wisdom and strength, and honor and glory and blessing. See, the, elder, the angels and the elders fell down before the Lamb together, we see in verse 8. And it seems that only the elders sang the song of the redeemed in verses 9 and 10. Why? Because no place does the Bible tell us that the, redeem, the angels are redeemed. So the one singing about being redeemed is only those, you and I, that put our faith in Jesus. Put our faith in God here. It's only that those are singing those, that song there in verses 9 and 10. And then here in verses 11 and 12, we see the voice of the angels around. They don't sing. They're saying. They're speaking out with a loud voice. Rose up and praise to the great Redeemer. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. That's what the angels can do. They're observing. Why? Because the angels prompted the elders to into worship here. Here the elders are now seeming to prompt the angels in response. What a beautiful picture in heaven. As they praise the worthy one. 
with more and more and more praise. This innumerable company of angels did not offer the praise of redemption. They were not redeemed. But they are careful observers of it, and they are therefore praise God because of what he sees. Go back and read 1 Peter 1.12 today. Read Ephesians 3.10 today. The angels can clearly see the greatness of God's work in redeeming fallen men. And because of their witness and seeing what's happened in response, they credit all of that power and rich and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing to the Lamb. It's not because you and I are any good. It's not like you have power and control. You're out of control. I'm out of control. Only the Spirit of God brings us into self-control. Apart from Him, we're a basket case. And our lives of, of those who did not walk with the Lord in their early days, or currently maybe you're not walking with the Lord today, your life is a mess, and you have to be honest with that. But I'm telling you, the answer is to give your life to Jesus. Be forgiven of those sins and allow Him to bring order in your life. With a promise and a hope of a future of eternity. And to live a life now with peace and joy. So that you can praise your Savior now who has forgiven your sins. Who is supposed to receive all the honor and glory. But you have to humble yourself. You have to die of self. You have to surrender yourself. To experience that. And once you have, keep praising Him. Keep seeking Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Commune with Him. Communicate with Him. Because He loves you so much, He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Not only here on this earth, but we see it now, what it's going to be like in heaven for you. If you're saved. If you're not saved, this is not speaking of you. It's complete opposite of this in hell. That's how big this decision is to choose to follow Christ or not as a Savior. But here we see the angels are praising the great Redeemer. The innumerable amount. I can't even fathom in my mind how many angels we will see when we're up there. We know it's innumerable. I can't get my head around when I try to meditate on that. What the sound will be like. I know how great it is to have 2,000 men worshiping God. Incredible sense of that. How beautiful it is to hear your voices singing in oneness here in the, on this, being up front. I just am telling you that's what it's going to be like in heaven. Woo. I can't wait. question is, are you ready? If the Lord came back today, are you ready? I, I am. So where does this true worship take place? It happens when those in heaven see the slain lamb. 
That's when the true worship is taking place. So too, who are passionate worshipers today. That's you. That's you and me. Not those who are manipulated by emotional music. That's not when true worship happens. But those who understand that Jesus really died for them. That's when you start worshiping. True worship happens when in your brain and in your every being, your inner man, inner woman, says, Jesus died for me. And you own it. And you recognize it. And you believe it. And then your response, because of that love for him, his blood being shed for you, being slain for you, your response is to praise and love him back. When you're at that in your mind, not just singing a song, but when you realize you're singing to the one who has saved you, then you're truly worshiping. And may whatever song and music you're listening to draw you to the slain lamb. That his blood has taken and wiped away all your sins and you've been forgiven. That should cause you to worship him with every ounce of your being. Because there is no other way, my brothers and sisters, to be saved. To have the hope. To have the promise of a future. Is in that relationship. See, anyone who truly sees the slain lamb cannot help but worship and praise the worthy one. Verse 13. Now we see... All of creation goes into praise here. Every creature which is in heaven and on, on the earth and under the earth and, as, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying. What were they saying? Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him. Who's him? God, God who sits on the throne, and, notice the word, and to the Lamb forever and ever. We see this very clearly, highlight this in your Bible when they say Jesus is not deity. Say, no, no, I know some scripture, let me give you one scripture, what's going to be happening here is very clear in heaven, we know exactly who Jesus is. Every creature. John couldn't be any more complete in his description of praise. Every creature is going to praise God. In heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, every, everything, everyone. Which always, it's funny, because then it brings up a, a little side note here. Always the next question is, oh, if it's every creature, then are you telling me there are, there are pets in heaven? Dogs, I can probably lean toward that. Cats, I cannot believe that. <laughs> I think they're just demon-possessed, but that's just my side little note there. I don't know if there's pets in the... Your pet, Fluffy, is in the heaven waiting for you. Don't know this. But what you and I do know is what the scripture tells us. 
In Revelation chapter 19, verse 14, we know that Jesus comes back to earth riding a horse and we're along with him. That I do know. I don't know about Fluffy, but I'm ready for the white horse. Are you? This combination of worship of the Father and the Lamb is a strong testimony of the deity of Jesus. Now, if Jesus were not fully God, this would be idolatry. Because they, the, the angels and the, the elders should not be worshiping Jesus if he wasn't God. But they're worshiping God. Equally with the Father, because of one God in three persons. And it would be giving to the creature along a bit that belongs to the creator. That's why he cannot be not God. Because if he was just a creature and they were worshiping, then no, the only person you're supposed to worship is the creator. That's why both the Father and the Son is worshipped here. Now, Sis says they fell down and worshipped him. I don't think we'll ever get tired of falling down and worshiping him. The Greek word here for worship is literally to prostrate or to lay before another in complete submission. To worship is to complete submission. The scene may be that the elders fell down to their knees then laid themselves before him Harp in hand, bowls in hand. It's just, again, it's the expression of total submission and praise to God. We do that now and we will do that in heaven for true worship. And it will be forever and ever, John says here. We will be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. We're going to be praising him. Why? Because God reigns eternally. The Caesars, the leaderships of these nations that we see today will come and go. And those who persecuted God's people will go. But the Lord God lives forever and ever and is ever worthy of praise. Let us not forget that. Because the lamb slain has taken control of the scroll, the title deed of this earth, the authority from the Father's hand, worship abounds. God's great eternal plan now can be fulfilled and in creation will be set free from the bondage of sin and death. It will be gone. And as we gather here today in the worship service, do you find your own heart saying amen to what has been said? Amen. So be it. So be it. Amen to what they've sung. May that be my heart, Lord, too, as well. So you may believe in Christ as the Creator. And many people get wrapped up in the creator. Oh, look at what he's created. Oh, I just draw closer to God because he's my creator. That's wonderful. 
But the question I have for you, have you trusted him as your redeemer? That's the more important question. Many people will say, yeah, I think there's a God. I just look at his creation. He has to be a God out there. Doesn't mean you're saved. The question is, do you believe he's your redeemer? And have you surrendered your life to him? That's the question. If you haven't trusted him as your redeemer, will you do so right now? As the spirit touches your heart, will you, will you give your life to Jesus today as your redeemer? The forgiveness of your sins. To save you from yourself. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, dine with him, and he with me. Have you opened up the door of your heart to Jesus as he knocks at the door of your heart? Let us praise the worthy one. Father, we thank you. And as we come to the communion table today, Lord, as believers, to commune with you, to praise you, to glorify you, to lay everything at your feet, Lord, anything that we've been struggling with, the insecurities, the unsureties in our minds, the attacks of the enemy that's ravaged our minds at times, Lord, may we just keep coming back and praising you and remembering you were slain. Remembering of your blood that covered and washed us and made us white as snow. May we celebrate and praise you as we see in heaven. May we do that now. Praise you and honor you and glorify you and, and acknowledge with our hearts, Lord, and our minds of who you are and what you have done and how much you love us. I pray right now, Lord, if there's anyone who has not given their life to you, surrendered all completely who hasn't opened up the door of their heart and allowed you to come in and seal them for eternity. I pray right now, Lord, that in their minds, they're crying out to you right now, asking for forgiveness of their sins and to praise you, thank you for dying for their sins on that cross. That Holy Spirit, you would come in right now and you would just overflow their, their lives. That the hundred pound sin gorilla will just be lifted off their shoulders right now, Lord. And know that they just met, met you. And that you've just forgiven them and given them eternal life. Give them that assurity, Lord. Even though they may not fully understand it. They believe who you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.